You're listening to RHR Talks, the podcast where the RHR team talks all things recruitment and advertising. If you missed out on the latest RHR Talks workshop, don't panic. You can listen right here. RHR consultants Daniel and Isabel lead this workshop, which supports that post-offer process. In a market that's more competitive than ever, both Daniel and Isabel offer advice and tips on how to navigate that period between accepting an offer and starting your new role. Welcome to RHR Talks. This is a series of webinars where consultants at RHR share our experience to help ensure that you're getting the most out of your job search. So I'm Isabel. I have been with RHR for a long time now um, and I recruit for all types of different roles from sort of junior management level right the way up to sort of director level across a variety of different sectors, um, sort of HR, retail, um, e-com, finance, you name it, I would have touched on it at some point. I'm based in the Birmingham office and I helped host the last two webinars but, and, and this time I'm going to be joined by my lovely colleague Dan. So Dan, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dan. Um, you can probably tell by my beautiful accent that I am also based in Birmingham with Isabel. Uh, usually you'll find me behind the scenes on the workshops answering questions, uh, but today I am here to co-present. Um, similar to Isabel, I've been with RHR quite a while now and uh, again just kind of recruit across multiple sectors for roles in finance, HR, digital, things like that. Um, very, very similar to Isabel. We are, we are the Birmingham team. Yes. So across the last two workshops, we've taken you from sort of preparing your CV to applying for roles. And more recently, we've guided through you through the interview process in our last webinar. If you weren't able to attend either of those workshops, they are actually available on our RHR Talks YouTube channel. So um, just pop on there and you can listen to either one of those if you do want that sort of additional sort of support. Like I said, if you've got any questions throughout the webinar, do put them in the chat box. We've got colleagues on hand to answer those questions. And also, um, you know, grab a pen and paper if you want to take some notes. Uh, but we will also be sending a handout. So don't feel like you have to write absolutely everything down because everything that we cover, we will sort of email out to you afterwards as well. So this session is all about sort of what to do next. So we're going to begin by talking about sort of how to stay motivated when interviews perhaps aren't converting to an offer um, and right the way up to you actually starting that position. So the topics that we're going to cover today are staying motivated, negotiating your salary and package, handing in your notice, which is always a joy, um, dealing with counter offers, which that could be quite a tricky area, exit interviews, navigating your notice period, starting a new role. So we're going to break that down to sort of before you start the new role, the first day and then your first few weeks. We're going to be talking through sort of probationary periods as well. It's not rocket science. What we're covering today it really isn't. It's just Dan and I are purely basing it on our experience um, and just giving you some good sort of hints and tips and I guess reminders that would really help you when you are on that sort of journey. Yeah, just a reminder, if you could put your microphones to mute, just so that we don't get any background uh, uh, interference, sorry, um, as we're running through the sections. So, number one that 
I want to start off talking about is staying motivated. Um, at the moment, when you're going out for an interview, it's not always going to end with the news that you want and you don't secure the role. Uh, particularly during these times, you may find yourself interviewing with more businesses than you ever have done before to get the yes. Um, and I guess the, what I want to stress here is the importance um, of keeping that momentum up and not losing motivation. So firstly, when you do get the news that you uh, haven't passed, first thing I would say is take it well. Um, you really don't know when you're going to cross these people again or this business again. Um, and when they do give you the feedback, it's okay to, or for instance, if they do give you no with no feedback, it really is okay to ask for some feedback from them. Um, firstly, you can use it in um, future interviews that you have, but then going forward, um, you can use that information to make sure that when you do go out again, that you are kind of rectifying any concerns. Um, but on the flip side of that, what you might find, particularly at the moment, is when you take the feedback that it's not necessarily your interview or your interview experience that has resulted in the no. There are loads of reasons why you may not have secured the role and it's really, really important not to take it personally, particularly at the moment because there's kind of more candidates on the market. So it just means that there's kind of tougher competition out there. You might find somebody who's as good as you out there interviewing for the same role, and it might come down to something as basic as you know they might be uh, versed in a particular technical thing that you're not, or something really minute. So really, really don't take it personally. And I guess going hand in hand is don't overanalyze why you didn't secure the role. Just move on. Just move on and keep applying. If you get your feedback, fabulous. You can use that to take. Um, forward to your next interview. Problem is, is if you start overanalyzing, you could end up second guessing yourself and not applying to certain roles because of something that you think you are missing or perhaps trying to even fix something that isn't broken in your interview style. Now this one sounds a bit cheesy, but just remind yourself why you were great. If you are um, kind of feeling a bit deflated after a no and it was perhaps a role that you really wanted, just make a list of the things that make you really employable, things that make you a desirable candidate and, you know, put on a personal level, what would make, what parts of you would make you a great addition to any team? Um, and I guess what I'm trying to get at through the whole of this section is the important part is seriously just to get back on the horse continue to make applications. Um, in previous um, sessions that we've done, we've talked about adapting your CV and your cover letter to a particular role. You can do that and just make sure that, you know, you're just hitting it again. You're going out to your next interview and, you know, what something will come off. The more you do, the more likely success will be just lurking around the corner for you. Absolutely. I said it's just so important to keep reminding yourself, but it is quite tough, isn't it, if you're, you're getting lots it of It is, things. it is. <laughs> At the end of the day, nobody likes to be told no. <laughs> so all you need to do is just don't take it personally, mm. dust yourself off and get back on the horse. 
And so that is kind of our top tips on how to stay motivated. We could go on and on and on and on, but literally those few pieces of information, dust yourself off, don't take it personally, get back out there. That's all you need to know. So what we want to move on to next is kind of shifting focus to the next part of your journey. So when you finally do secure that offer. So you've secured that offer. And when you are in a position to accept a job offer, there may need to be some negotiation when it comes to salary. Money is always a sort of difficult conversation to have and bring up. And there are certain pitfalls that we sort of see time and time again that people sort of fall into um, when asking for the right salary. So when you are sort of negotiating salary or package, um, our top tips would be, well, the first one would be, uh, and kind of following from previous advice and previous webinars, is that you need to have made your salary expectations really, really clear from the start of the process. If the company haven't bought it up, typically they, they'll bring it up, you know, in the first stage, actually, perhaps telephone interview will be quite clearly advertised. But if they haven't, do make sure that you are making it clear from the start so you're not wasting your time um, or the company's time. So that would be our main tip, I think. Money often isn't the main motivator, I think, when you are career searching. But I guess when you are on the job search, you need to make sure that you've got a level that you know is your sort of base level that will still sort of maintain your lifestyle, I guess, sort of going forward. So as long as you've got that kind of figure in your head, it's a lot easier then to sort of negotiate sort of from that. And you'll know that figure so anything sort of below that, you can straight away, you know that that's going to be a no. So make sure that you've kind of researched that and you know exactly what it is you're looking for and what you need to maintain your lifestyle. Um, but like I said, it's not necessarily just the money that you're looking to leave. There might be all sorts of, of reasons. So you need to weigh everything up, I guess. So another tip is obviously make sure that you've researched the pay set scale of the role before you've interviewed for it you know you don't want to sort of price yourself out of the market if you're asking for I guess perhaps too much money um, and and when you are if you have sort of received that job offer when they give you a call if they come back with an offer that's much lower than you actually expected or that has been discussed the whole way through the process you need to be quite clear straight away that you're not going to accept that offer unfortunately we've found over the last sort of year or so since since the pandemic started um, unfortunately salaries and, and companies salaries seem to be being offered about 10-15% lower than what they were pre-pandemic and I'm not Obviously, companies are trying to cut costs, of course, like everybody needs to. Um, but what we are finding occasionally is that companies are putting in sort of cheeky offers just to see if people will accept them. And then quite quickly, they'll they'll sort of raise that offer. So don't necessarily always go with the first offer they come back with would, would be sort of a top tip. And obviously, if they're offering way below, you need to remind them the previous conversations you've had, etc. So, um the other thing as well is if you have been interviewing for other jobs as well, do call those prospective employers and let them know that you have got a job offer on the table. It's really important that they're sort of aware of it as well. And it can be a little bit of a negotiating tool to sort of perhaps speed up the process with that company and that interview process. Obviously, you can't make up offers, um, but even just interest from another company does tend to then spark the interest of 
you know other businesses as well so yeah do make uh, if you are out to a few different opportunities make those companies aware and then you're in a much stronger position to sort of negotiate salary as well if the employer can't offer this offer the salary that you're looking for but it is just below perhaps your salary expectations make sure you do look at the whole package often you know with bonuses or car allowances or all the additional bits on on top occasionally you'll get with roles actually the package can be worth so much more so make sure that you're making an informed decision you you know you might have a a job offer that's paying 40 and one that's paying 38 but the one that's paying 38 has got a five grand car allowance a 20 percent bonus etc etc so you know, of course, you should be going for the 38 one. So just make sure that you get all of the information. And when employers are relaying that offer, you do find out what the benefits package is and what's that worth for you as well. So take that into account. And then I think the other top tip would be if you are registered with a consultancy like us, do make sure that you use your consultant to negotiate that offer. That's what we're here for. We do it on a daily basis. So, yeah, get us to negotiate that, that salary for you. So you have now got a new job. You've accepted and the time has come to hand the dreaded notice in. Um, It doesn't have to be like that. When you hand your notice in, it doesn't have to be stressful or uh, frustrating at all. The first thing I would recommend that you do is that you go back over your employment contract just make sure that uh, you know what best practice is within your business and obviously um, what kind of a notice period you, you need to be given. Um, if you can, where possible, hand it in in person. Um, obviously, everybody um, who does who can is working remotely at the moment. Obviously, some roles you still spend kind of a lot of time face-to-face with your direct line manager, but in times where you are remote working, uh, I would suggest that you set up some kind of a video call or something along those lines, rather than like a surprise, I'm handing my notice in into their email. Um, and if you are handing it in kind of directly to the employee or your line manager, just make sure that you've got it neatly typed and, and it's well written rather than kind of scrawled on the back of a kind of piece of paper that you found in an office somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then when you are writing me, now this goes along with what I've said already about kind of leaving a good impression because you don't know where you're going to see these people again. Um, put some thought into what you write. You should discuss things like uh, it was difficult to make the decision. Um, it will make you sad to leave the team. Um, and a really good ending to that notice is a, a kind of a big thank you. Thank you for what you've learned in the role. Thanks for the time. Things like that. Because, um, like I said, you want to leave great lasting impression. Uh, in some cases, it might be prudent to uh, send over a an email copy to the HR team. Obviously, not everywhere, but in some cases, it might be prudent for you to do that um, as well as getting it over to your direct line manager. Um, when it comes to being on an extended notice period, I mean, what you'll find is traditionally notice periods up and down the country are usually about four weeks. Legally, um, or from a legal standpoint, you only have to give one, but I think four weeks is, is traditionally the um, 
the most common notice period that people give, but there will be some roles where you are on an extended notice period and it's even written into contracts sometimes. Um, I guess my top tips if you do want to leave on a shorter notice period, number one is literally just ask the question. Ask the question. You don't know what the answer will be. Some companies don't want you hanging around too long after the, after you've committed to leave. So they might be more open to it than you think. Um, what you need to think about is what's best for you in the scenario. Um, if you do need to negotiate it down, I would say it's worth checking what holiday entitlement that you've had, that you've accrued, that you've perhaps not used. Um, that might bring down the time between roles. Um and there's things that you can do to kind of uh, help you to leave a bit sooner. Um, and it all comes back to the whole of that leaving a good impression. You can make sure that you are kind of leaving very detailed notes and handovers about what work is done, what needs to be done, the timescales, things like that. You can offer to support with um, the recruitment and training of your replacement. Um, you can also get involved in kind of really running that whole kind of um, handover period and training and developing that person so that when you are ready to leave, there's somebody there that's ready to go. And that is... If you, I mean, sometimes you could be on a, the more senior the roles go, you could be on a three to six month notice period and you can really bring that down by putting these things in place. Absolutely. So the next part we're going to move on to today is dealing with counter offers. So these are actually quite a lot more common than, than you sort of realise. So after you've handed in your notice, you may be hit with, with this counter offer. This is where your current employer suddenly recognises that they can't possibly lose you and offers you anything to keep you in the business. Dependent on, I guess, what you cite as your reasons for leaving, they may sort of look at a little bit of a salary increase, more responsibility, you know, perhaps a promotion, um, you know, or flexible hours. Whatever it is, I guess mine and Dan's advice would be very much to kind of really stay on the side of caution when it comes to counter offers. In some ways, it is a little bit of an insult that they, you know, you've had to hand in your notice to get what you deserve if they were prepared to, you know, give you that, you know, why didn't they give it you in the first place? And I think, you know, the reason that we would say to sort of err, err on the side of caution when it does come to sort of accepting counter offers is, it really could damage your relationship with your employer. So you don't want them thinking that the whole situation was sort of designed for you to secure more money um, or whatever it is they did sort of offer you to stay. That, that kind of relationship is always going to be a little bit, a little bit tainted. It could also maybe question your loyalty to the business and, you know, how long it, it, will it be until you sort of leave anyway? So, you know, if there is a promotion coming up, are they going to look at you for it or will they look at your colleague if at, at some point you did sort of hand in your notice and decide that you did want to go? So I guess the thing you really need to question is, will things really change? So before you accept any counter offer and stay with your current company, you need to ask yourself the reasons 
were what the reasons were for you looking in the first place and I honestly say nine times out of ten it's usually when when I interview candidates it's usually career growth or it's culture fit um, or it's 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 lots of things that potentially can't be changed anyway by that counter offer so you know will this counter offer really make those things go away you know and if that employer does sort of always think of you as the person that wanted to leave this could really sort of affect how they sort of see you in the future as well so you know a recent study has shown that 90 percent of employees that accept a counter offer aren't working for the same business sort of six months later so that's really powerful so you don't want to ever regret sort of not going for the opportunity that you've gone for so just be really cautious and think about that counter offer and will it really sort of change anything at work really. <laughs> so during your notice period then, you were likely to encounter an exit interview. Most companies these days will arrange an exit interview before you leave the business. And the main purpose of it is to assess the overall employee experience within the business. So, you know, how did you find working there while you were there? What would, would you change? Things like that. Um, and it's ultimately designed to identify opportunities to improve retention and uh, engagement with the team that, that are remaining after you've left. Um, top tips for this would be probably, number one, you need to be honest. You need to be honest about how you find, found your time um, within the, the role and the, and the company. But absolutely don't be bitter about it. Um, your employer really does want to know what your feedback is because it could affect how they perhaps engage with the team going forward. Um, but what they don't want to do is just sit and listen to your moan about the job for half an hour. Um, if you are giving feedback, just be constructive. Don't be negative. Um, and definitely don't be disrespectful. Um, like I keep saying, and I'll say this again and again throughout this whole um, workshop, you, you will often cross paths with these people again, whether it's um, kind of the, whether you're crossing paths with the same business because you're perhaps coming back in a more senior role in a couple of years' time, or the people that work there, you, you know, the managers that were your managers might be your managers again somewhere in the future. Always leave a good lasting impression and uh, be as 100% be as positive as you can. There's always, always something that you've learned in a role. Even if you're struggling to be positive about the position or your line manager or something like that, it's quite easy to perhaps even talk about individuals who made an impact on your time while you were there. Um, overall, I think that exit interviews really are a time for you to make that lasting impression, be grateful for your time within the business, and it's definitely not a time to slander your employer. Uh, you won't benefit from it. You really won't benefit from it. You might feel a, a bit smug for 10 minutes after you leave and feel like you've got things off your chest, but honestly, it could seriously come back to haunt you in the future, and you definitely, definitely don't want that. No, I agree completely. So what we're going to move on to now is navigating your notice period. So the time between giving your notice to your employer and actually leaving your job is often a strange time. It sometimes can be a bit strained time for both you and your colleagues. So making that transition as smooth as possible really does depend on how 
well, largely your attitude to it and how you approach those sort of final weeks, days or hours with your employer. So once you've had anything notice, it's completely normal to feel a range of emotions, you know, doubt, guilt, um, relief, elation. Uh, but however you feel, remember that your employer still requires that you work your notice period. So no matter how long that may be. Uh, and like I said, it can be quite a sort of strange transitionary time for you and for the business as well. So make sure that you sort of approach that time uh, in the right sort of attitude and in the right way. So what changes during your notice period? Well, the answer to that is none, nothing at all, really. So your attitude to work should be no different uh, to your usual sort of really high standards right up to the moment that you actually walk out the door for the final time. These, like Dan's mentioned a few times and I have, these, these are people that you may well encounter once again in the future. So you really need to use, kind of use this opportunity to leave them with a really great lasting impression of you um, and and you know, in the future, it may well sort of open up doors for you and opportunities. Don't assume that your manager will be sort of taking their eye off you just because, you know, you won't be there in a week's time or a month's time. If anything, they might be keeping a bit of a closer eye on you just to make sure that you're not taking your foot off the pedal. Um, and even if, you know, even if they do, you need to make sure that you kind of leave the business with like a really great sort of lasting impression. So like Dan said, make sure that you do a really comprehensive handover, tie up any loose ends, any projects, anything like that. So they're, they're left thinking she's, she's, she or he is, you know, great and I'd love to work with them again. The other thing I'd say is do try to make sure that you kind of avoid the workplace atmosphere, you know, Whilst you shouldn't become paranoid, remember that your colleagues and, and particularly your sort of direct reports and maybe even your managers might feel just as nervous about the change as you, you know, especially if you've been with the business for quite a long time. And the situation can be made worse if people aren't communicating effectively or sort of saying, saying it as it is. So, you know, just continue to smile, continue to work hard, be really open and honest um, and just be clear with everybody as to what's sort of happening uh, in those sort of few sort of final weeks. And like I said, you know, leave a really good lasting impression. So any sort of small things you can do that will help out the company, you know, anything you can go kind of a little bit above and beyond will really sort of be noted because actually you didn't need to do it. So, um, yeah, you should leave, like I said, a really great handover. You should go above and beyond. Um, and if somebody is sort of stepping into your role, do make sure that you give them uh, the training and development they need if you can spend some bit of extra time with them talk through all the projects you're working on with them and, and hand over everything if they've got if you know if they're not used to the systems maybe get them up to speed with the new systems and everything so I think the main thing from this part I want to get across is just keep working hard keep positive and just leave that company on a bit of a high really so this next part then um we're going to split into three sections. So everything that we've discussed up until now is all about what to do within the employer that you are leaving or within the role that you're leaving. So we're going to move forward now and start talking about what to do when you start a new role. Um, and like I said, we've split it into three. First section that I'm going to run through is what to do before you start. So all the prep that We'll make sure that when you do start on your first day, you feel really confident and you are ready to go. Um, so top tip, the biggest thing I can say, 
that reaches every point that I'm going to make is just make sure that you get the facts. Um, it's absolutely fine to ask questions. Um, you can ask questions to your HR rep or your line manager. And if you can't find um, or you don't have the contact details of those before you start, then just get in touch with the person who made you the offer. You'll have all their details. You'll have everything on email because traditionally it does come over by email when you have uh, an offer and you would have signed your contract and things like that. So you do have a point of contact in the business that you can reach. Um, the things that you really want to find out is your work schedule, obviously, um, and that includes what road you're on, what time your first shift starts, things like that. Uh, it sounds basic, but um, it's just one of the little things that if you just know and you know everything the day before you start, week before you start, whatever, you're going to feel really confident the day that you do. Um, the second thing is where to go and who to report to. Um, this is obviously if you're starting physically um, in a job and you've got to make your way to, um, you know, you've got to find out the right building, you've got to know who your line manager is, things like that, so you know to approach on the day. But in a, in a similar fashion, if you are starting a new role um, remotely, then, you know, you might want to find out if there's a, perhaps a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting or something like that where you can kind of be introduced to the team, whatever. Because one of the scariest things I imagine starting a new job remotely is that you're starting a new job and you're in your back bedroom, in your house. Um, so it can feel very peculiar. So if you just have something set up for that first day where you're meeting somebody and you know who you're meeting and you're going to have a phone call and an introduction and whatever, you, like I say, you're going to feel really, really confident. Another thing is something that people don't often think about um, until they start in the job and they think, oh, actually, am I wearing the right thing? Is check what to wear. Um it might sound a little bit uh, old-fashioned for businesses to have a dress code, but sometimes not having a dress code is the dress code, which sounds strange, but you need to know what the appropriate attire is for your workplace. Some companies will have a uniform. Some companies will have um, a casual policy where you can wear what you want. I work with a client where I went to their head office and everybody's walking around in flip-flops and shorts. And unless you know that and you know how casual brand is, then you're not necessarily going to kind of rock up on your first day and know exactly what to wear. Um, and then if you are working in a role where you do need some kind of a device to do it, whether that be a laptop or a tablet or a phone or whatever, um, some employers have a policy where it is bring your own device or bring your own computer and some companies will expect you to use your own so that is definitely something that you need to check particularly if you have um a policy where you need to be bringing you you need for them to supply the device because you need that particularly if you're at home in your house set up and ready to go for that first day um and then something that is quite is quite new um, over the past sort of fifteen years. Uh, this, but it's a huge, huge thing that you need to do, and not a lot of people think about it. And that is to check your business's social media policy. Um, what you need to do, and the reasons you need to do that, is because some companies will 
have no issue with what you post on social media, whether you link your personal accounts to your work accounts and things like that, and you splash all over your social pages where you work. But then on the flip side of that, some companies will be really strict and they'll have very specific social media policies where um, you need to vet basically what you're putting on there if you're connecting that to where you're working and uh, or where you're working in any way. Um, find out what that is before you start um, and find out what's acceptable. And then once you have done that, I would go through your social media pages, your Twitter, your Facebook, whatever, and just make sure that um, it's fit for public consumption and just make sure that there's nothing on there that you don't want representing you in a negative way. If you don't want to change anything on your social media, which you might not want to, just make sure your privacy settings are set so that nobody can snoop and kind of make a judgment based on, on, on your social pages. And then you can be careful then about who gets to see what. Absolutely. I'd say that even before you go for an interview as well, check your privacy settings because more yeah. and more, so nowadays, companies are checking, aren't they, on social media, what you're posting and things or how active you are on there. So Exactly. I mean, because you can, you know, a lot of people, you can talk in an interview and say that you're interested in this, that and the other, but then your social pages can represent a different side of you. I mean, we're all multifaceted people with a different interests and things like that. But um, it, like we've just said, it really, really is key just to make sure that your your socials are all um, set to a way that it's going to kind of represent you in the best light or your privacy settings are set to don't find me. Definitely. So the next part we're going to talk about today is the first day. So this is the exciting bit. So it can be stressful, absolutely, and it can all be new. So I think there are a few things that you just need to sort of take into mind, I guess, to try and make it as stress-free as possible. So if you are sort of going to a location or into an office, do make sure that you arrive nice and early, especially on your first day. So, um, you know, that will give you time to perhaps have a tea or coffee before you go in and just relax, but you won't arrive sort of all, all flustered and, and almost late. So I guess the best way to do that is do make sure that you do a few sort of trial runs at the times of day that you will be driving there or busing there or cycling there or walking there, however you're getting there. Do some test runs and make sure that you can, you know, get there nice and early so that you arrive sort of stress-free. I know it sounds really obvious, but do try not to stress too much. You do need to think of your new job as a really exciting sort of next step in your career. So, you know, it is your first day. You can't learn absolutely everything at once. So don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, it's all new to you. It will take a bit of time. If you do feel yourself getting a bit stressed, you know, just collect yourself, take a deep breath. You know, remember that you aren't there to kind of get it all at once and just, you know, take a bit of time just to sort of reflect, I guess, and, and don't be so hard on yourself. The other Top tip I think uh, we'd like to talk to you about is just don't presume that you know anything, I guess. Uh, I think especially on your first day, sort of being humble is really worth a lot when you are starting a new job. Nobody likes a know-it-all and you don't want them to, or your new sort of colleagues to have that impression as you, uh, certainly if it's like their first impression of you as well. So, you know, you, you, you need to go into it with a real fresh set of eyes, a really great attitude and ultimately just remember that 
to begin with, you don't know anything about the role or the business, really. So take the time, especially on your first day and then your first few weeks to really listen, learn um, before you start sort of giving advice and and telling people how to do their their job. Uh, And the other obviously top tip on your first day, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, there's no such thing as a stupid question, especially on your first day. Your employer would definitely prefer that you ask. You know, you won't be expected to know everything. And it's much better to ask than to guess on your first day and make some big mistake that you're going to be sort of embarrassed about. So remember to enjoy it. You know, you work really, really hard to secure this role. It's all about sort of learning about the company and meeting new people on that first day. But, yeah, try not to stress too much and just sort of enjoy it. So you are now well into your first couple of weeks in your new job. Um, you're starting to get to know people. You're starting to kind of feel a bit more comfortable. And now's the time to start thinking of how you can kind of help yourself to settle into the role uh, as best as possible. And I guess the first point here I want to make is about building relationships. Now, Relationship building can be really hard, especially if you're the new kid in town. It can be particularly hard if you don't have an outgoing personality. I know I'm doing this today and I'm doing um, kind of video calling over a workshop, but I'm not an outgoing personality at all. I like to stay on the peripherals of the the room at a party and kind of analyse what people are up to before I speak to people, things like that. Um, so I get it you know sometimes it's really hard for you to put yourself out there and and try and build new relationships but the top tips for you to be able to do that if you have that kind of personality is just be friendly just be friendly and warm and again asking for advice is a really really good way of breaking the ice Um, because then once you've broke the ice then conversations can develop you don't have to lead the conversation but just Remember, at all times, just be friendly and warm, and um, it'll go a long way. Uh, secondly, I'd say you need to be flexible, but flexible with yourself, um, in, in particular, and with the role, I would say. So give yourself extra time at the start and end of the day to um, give yourself the ability to take in as much as you can. If you need to leave late, if you need to start early, just do it for a bit. Just do it and make sure that you feel like um, you're getting as much from your day as you can. But then also be flexible and with yourself and don't be hard on yourself. You need to always remember this is a new job. It's a new team. These are new people. Everything about what you're doing now is new to you. So you don't, you can't expect yourself to go in and be the expert and to be um, Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful after the first couple of weeks. Just be just quite soft on yourself, really, and just give yourself the flexibility to learn. Um, spend some extra time with the people that are around. Um, you can get to know the team in various ways. Um, you're not necessarily going to be best friends with everybody on day one, but by showing that you are enthusiastic about the job, um, enthusiastic about trying to get to know people, um, I think the colleagues and the people around you are going to be a bit more open and welcoming to you. 
like I said, you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to have an extroverted personality, but just being friendly, warm, polite, and um, inquisitive perhaps when you've got people on their own will go really a long way and it makes you feel comfortable as well. I mean, what you can do is you can schedule some time with your teammates during the first few weeks or even the first first few days just to ask them a little bit about themselves and, you know, why, why, what is their role? What do they do? How long have they been there? Um, where have they worked in the past? If you don't feel confident asking people about their personal lives, there's loads of things you can ask them about what they do within their role and the business and things like that. Um, and then the um, the next thing is social occasions. And I'd like to hear on this particularly because it's not necessarily something that fills me with the greatest joy. Um, but if there are social occasions, just put yourself out there. Go and have a drink after work if people are doing it. Um, go on group lunches. Just make an effort to attend, even if it's for well, the first hour, just to show that, you know, you are part of the team. You don't have to be singing and dancing on the tables at 11 o'clock. Do you know what I mean? You can be there for an hour and just spending time with the people um, that you work with during the day because it will really, really strengthen the relationships that you have if you see them even for an hour socially and you'll get to know them more on a personal level. You might feel a bit more comfortable about asking them personal questions, you know, are you married, things like that. And that helps you to, to really get to know the team a bit more. So uh, essentially what I'm saying with this section is even though you're bringing a wealth of skills and experience to the organisation and to the role, it will always still take a little bit of time for you to get to know people and for all of it to fall into place. Whatever you do, do it the best of your ability. Don't accept half measures from yourself, but on the opposite side of that coin, don't be too hard on yourself. And that way your boss will notice that you're putting the effort in and you're making waves by just getting to know the team and doing your best. Absolutely. Just all about attitude, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, some companies will ease you in really gently with um, some introductory training, things like that. Um, and there might be some kind of meet the teams where you get kind of interaction with other parts of the business, things like that. But on the flip side, some companies might set you really kind of strict deadlines and objectives straight away. Yeah. Uh, whatever approach that they have with you um, just be ready to get stuck in um, you know you were taken on to do the role because you can do the role so whatever they throw at you just kind of think yeah I could do this and get stuck in um, if the training doesn't happen or what you were expecting from them doesn't happen immediately avoid complaining I would say but definitely raise your voice and ask the question um, huge difference between um, complaining and asking for help. Um, there's nothing worse than, obviously, you going around all your colleagues saying, oh, I've not had this, I've not had this, I've not had this. And when, in fact, all you need to do is just go, I just, where's my training? And it's happened so many times throughout um, my career as a recruiter that I've just suggested to candidates, just speak to HR and just ask them, when's the training starting? And you can honestly Honestly, about 99% of the times it's planned. It's just that they just need to get around to, to kind of kickstarting the, the training period. Yeah, yeah. It might just be something as simple as that HR person 
was away last week, so they're just or they're away this week, and that's why you've not had some ink, or you know, exactly, absolutely. I mean, this leads us on nicely to the next section, which is all about probationary periods. So, different workplaces, of course, have completely different practices when it comes to probationary periods. However, in most cases, it's really just a time to provide you with extra training and support from um, sometimes a mentor. Uh, and it's, of course, it's to ensure that you are up to the job that they've taken you on for. It's also a great way for you to sort of check in on your own progress and provide feedback on yourself, I guess, sort of in the first couple of months. It does sound quite intimidating and some people do get quite worked up about the um, probationary period, but it actually, you know, really doesn't have to be. Some of the best sort of candidates that I've sort of worked with in the past have, have sometimes ended up sort of failing or their probationary period was extended for a few months and then they ended up being, you know, really brilliant at that role. So you need to avoid, you need to basically think of it very much as a support mechanism. It's a time where you've got more time to sort of train. You've got that mentor there. But the big tip, I guess, is to avoid the prospect of a big sort of make or break meeting at the end of your probation. So do make sure that you ask your sort of line manager for regular catch ups and do make sure that you are, you know, completely clear when it comes to the expectations of the role and what exactly they're looking for and what the timescales are with that as well. So where they want you to be, you know, this time next week and, and next month and and everything so that you can just make sure that you are hitting those markers. If you do have any issues, like Dan said, you need to make sure that you bring them up way before it's too late and way before it becomes like a bigger issue. You know, clear expectations and asking for help when needed is, is the most important thing when it comes to your probationary period. And it's just as much for you as it, as it is for them. You know, during that period, you might decide actually the role in the company isn't quite right for you, um, as well as the company sort of deciding whether you're up to the job. So it, it, try and think of your probationary period as a positive time. And, and if the company is good, it should be a really sort of supportive um, time for you as well uh, and a great introduction to the business as, as well. So today then, um, in summary, we have discussed an overview of what to expect during and how to navigate the period from being offered a role right the way to starting a new job. So we kick-started with stay motivated. And what I would say for stay motivated is ask for feedback, take it well, don't overanalyze and get back on the wheels. I will stress that until I'm blue in the face. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Just don't look at yourself and think there's something wrong with you. Just dust yourself off and crack on and something will just be lurking around the corner. Don't forget as well that we're in really bizarre times and there's more people on the market than ever before. So if it does take you a bit longer to find a job, don't be hard on yourself. Nine times out of ten has nothing to do with what you've said or done. Um, the next section that we did was about the time that you spend within your employer after you've kind of accepted an offer. Uh, obviously, we touched on just negotiating your salary and package with uh, your new employer, first of all, but then it was all about handing your notice in, dealing with counter offers, exit interviews, navigating your notice period, and all of those things we will leave you some notes on. We'll send them over um, as a handout after this, just to give you some hints and tips on um, everything that we've discussed. Uh, and then 
Finally, we talked about the exciting part of starting a new job. And we broke that down into three sections, which was before you start on the first day, what you should do, and then moving forward for the first few weeks. Um, and then we finished off with a little bit about promotion periods. So all in all, we've run you through today, right from the very start of the process of accepting an offer to the time that you complete and finish your probationary period. So thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today. It's really brilliant to see so many faces yet again. We do hope that you found some part of today beneficial and there's something that you can take away from it um, that will you know, help you with your career search, but also help you hopefully get you to sort of beat, beat the competition, as it were, which is a bit tougher nowadays. So, you know, do stay in touch with us and to find out more about our HR talks, including our podcasts, which are absolutely fantastic. Do log on to our RHR website, but also click and follow us on the LinkedIn RHR LinkedIn page where we will be posting dates for sort of upcoming events we will be yeah. sending out a feedback form as well after this so any feedback for myself and Dan would be really useful um, and Dan and I will sort of stay online now for just a few more minutes so if you've got any additional questions please pop them in the chat box now and we'll do our best to sort of answer them for you I will just say as well don't forget that um Today's presentation that we've done will be available on the RHR Talks YouTube channel. Um, so if there is anybody that you think might benefit from this, anybody that you know is out to interview, um, or even anybody who's just kick-starting their job search, let them know that the YouTube channel has got and it's already got two cracking workshops on there the first one was all about cv writing and preparing uh, to get yourself out there and applying for jobs and then the second one was about what to do at interview and the, that included things like how to answer a specific question and that one was really detailed so um those are available now this one uh, will be up in a couple of days so you'll have the full trilogy of uh workshops available at your disposal for you to kind of click back to whenever you need to um but yeah like Isabel said we are available for questions if anybody's got any I'm just looking at the chat box now oh there's lots of thank yous that's really kind thank you Nicola thank you Mary thank you Kelly Alicia Esther Victoria um <laughs> I guess we probably could when we send out the workshop, perhaps the links to the YouTube. So the question's been asked, could you provide the links to the previous workshops, please? If you don't yeah, read the RHR talks, it should come up, shouldn't it, I would think? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think there's anything else on there that, that is um, RHR talks. So literally, if you, I mean, we can send it out, but honestly, if you just type RHR talks into YouTube, you'll find us. Um, I don't think there's anything else similar on there that... Um, that, you, that, that would get confused with it so you should be able to find it quite easily cool you're welcome Nicola it's kind right okay if there's no questions um, then I will kind of end it there um, I'll just take the, the time just to thank everybody for attending today I know a lot of people have already um Locked off, but to those of you that are still left, we do appreciate it. Um, and we do hope that 
the information that we do relate is helpful and beneficial to you in some way, even if it's just one little bit of information that we've told you that, you know, could kind of support you in the future, then we're really, really grateful that you're here. You've been listening to RHR Talks. For more information on the vacancies and services we offer, then head over to our website at www.rhr.co.uk or reach out to any of the consultants directly. Tim and I have some really exciting conversations in the diary over the coming weeks, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.